0: Hello. Happy 4th of July. Independence Day. You know when Independence Day is in Mexico? It's not Cinco de Mayo, huh? that's Margarita Day. It's September the 15th, okay? <laughs> Just so you know, okay? Teaching moment. Um, I am very glad to be here. We're, it's a pleasure to come. Uh, we're very thankful to uh, Pastors Mark and Laura for having us over. Uh, we visited with them yesterday, and uh, I cannot begin to tell you how recharging that is for us, so happy to be here. Before we begin to study the Word of God, let me ask you a question. Uh, what type of person would you like to be, you know, in, in, in every area of your life, you know? What would you like people to think of you? You do know that people talk about you, Right? You know, your friends and co-workers and stuff, when you're not there, they talk about you. What would you like them to say about you? See, here's one thing that is um, true about you, and, and I think you, we all know this. So you don't have control over the things that happen to you, but you have control over the way that you respond to the things that happen to you. And how you respond to the things that happen to you is what makes you the type of person that you are, which means you have a choice, You can choose the type of person that you want to be by choosing how do you respond to life. So what type of person would you like to be? Or how about this? Wouldn't you like to be an extraordinary person? And I mean extraordinary, not like extraordinary in one thing. There's a lot of people like that. You know, they're very good at one thing, but not at others. Like you've heard of like business people that are really good at business, but they have gone through three marriages. Or these super athletes that they're really good on the field, but they're beat on their wives, or or, or these people that are very good husbands or wives, and but they cannot hold a job for more than a year. You know, wouldn't you like to be extraordinary in every area of your life? You know, how much would your life change if if you woke up one day and decided that everything that you face before you face before you respond, you would think first what would an extraordinary version of me would do you know i experimented with this some time ago and i realized that it's not as easy as it seems you know because i realized that when i face you know like uh, problems situations people cut you on, on, you know when you're driving or at the store or something your first instinct is not to be extraordinary <laughs> you know you tend to be very ordinary very pedestrian Okay, but think of it this way also. How many times do you get to live this life? See, if you believe in the Bible, you only get one shot at this. So wouldn't it be worth it to try and live it in an extraordinary way? Can you imagine how would your life be if every person that you interacted with was extraordinary? what kind of world would we live in? See, I want you to pay close attention to this because, see, if you are a Christian, if you call yourself a believer, this is exactly what you're supposed to be. Extraordinary. See, if, you, if you're a believer, uh, you believe in a bunch of things that maybe you haven't even thought about. But you believe that God created the universe, Okay. Time in the universe is linear, which means it begins, it began at some point, and it's going to end one day at some point. And everything that's happening in between, you know, it's God's doing. It's God's work towards his plan. It's all going towards an end, which is the plan of God for the universe. And you also believe that God created you, and he meant you to be a part of that plan. You know, you, you have an extraordinary part to play in God's plan, And he wanted to make so sure that you were going to be in that plan that you believe that he sent his only son to die for you so that you could be part of that plan. And you also believe then that every day of your life is important and it should count. And you should live it in an extraordinary way. And every person that is around you, it's important. It's a creature of God and should be treated in an extraordinary way. And you also believe that one day you're gonna be face to face with God and he's going to ask you for an account of your life for what did you do or didn't do in regards to that extraordinary plan that he had for you. If you are a believer, you have no choice. You have to think different. You have to act different. You have to respond in a different way. So in other words, you have to answer this question that I put on your notes. How would I behave if I truly believed that the God of the universe has invited me? And you have to put there your name, has invited you to participate in his story for as long as you live. How would you behave? Now, do you feel uncomfortable enough? You should be feeling some tension in your heart, you know, because usually when, you know, when you start thinking about these things, you know, people tend to think, well, this is not fair. Why me? Why do I have to be extraordinary? Why why don't I get to just be an ordinary person, live a normal life? See, we face this with a lot of our youth in Cancun that say, why do I have to be the Christian in my classroom? Why do I have to be different? And if you're thinking that, you're starting to understand exactly how the people of Israel felt. Because that's what happened to these people. If you, if you know the story of the people of Israel, see, God created his people with Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, they end up in Egypt, and then he frees them from Egypt through Moses, and after the 40 years still in the desert, Joshua brings them into the promised land. But what God tells them through Joshua, through all the prophets, is you have to be extraordinary, You have to be different. You have to be a light for those nations. You have to differentiate yourself from everyone else. As a matter of fact, you have to obey my commands to such a degree that I will bless you and prosper you to such a point that the people around you are going to look at you and ask, who's your God? Where do you go to church? How do you call yourselves? I want part of that, which is what it means to glorify God with your life that you obey him to such an extent that you allow him to bless you to the degree that regardless of circumstances, you are faithful to him, but you are so strong in your life that people around you will wonder, how do you do that? I I would like some of that in my life. That's what the people of Israel were supposed to be. But what do they do instead? Have you read the the Old Testament? They disobey. They want to live as everyone else around them lives. The Bible calls it, they did what was right in their own eyes. You know, whatever they thought was fine, that's what they did. And instead of looking at God for direction, they looked at the people around for direction. So they started asking, why can I live like these people? Why don't I get to do what they're doing? They look like they're having fun. You know, They started doing exactly what everyone else was doing. And they were saying, it's not fair that you expect of me to be extraordinary. Why me? So they started imitating the customs of other people. They adopted their idols as their gods. And then they fell into a cycle that if you've read the Old Testament, you see happening often in the people of Israel. You know, they would be doing fine until they disobey God. And when they disobeyed God, something terrible happened to them. Like another country came and invaded and subjected them. And and then when they were really low, then they would call out to God. And then God will send someone to help them out and restore them to himself. And the cycle went over and over and over again. One of the places in the Old Testament where you can see this cycle repeat many times is in the book of Judges. The book of Judges is right after Joshua. You know, Joshua divides the land for the people of Israel and tells them, you know, I'm going to put judges to rule over you, but your king is God, so obey him. And they disobey him. And I want you to see what happens in, in those cycles, okay? Uh, number one in your notes is the people of Israel. Judges uh, chapter six, I'm gonna start in verse one, says, then the sons of Israel did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. Every time this circle starts going down, the cycle, it's because of disobedience. It's because that they did something that they knew they were not supposed to be doing, but they did it anyway, and then they get in trouble. It says, and the Lord handed them over to the Midian for seven years, See, the Midianites were very distant relatives of the Israelites. They had been in this long, many, many years conflict. They were always fighting. And sometimes Israel had the upper hand, and sometimes Midian had the upper hand. But here the Bible tells us that for seven years, God had allowed for Midian to be oppressing Israel. Okay? Uh, Verse 2 says The power of Midian prevailed against Israel. Because of Midian, the sons of Israel made for themselves the dens which were in the mountains and the caves and the strongholds. So you see what's happening there? See, the people of Israel had their land. They have built their cities, but they were so afraid of them that they had to escape to the mountains. They were living in caves instead of living in their homes, okay? And, and, And the next few verses are going to explain to us why were they so afraid. Verse three says, for whenever Israel had sown, the Midianites would come up with the Amalekites and the people of the east and march against them. So they would camp against them and destroy the produce of the earth as far as Gaza and leave no sustenance in Israel, nor sheep, ox, or donkey. For they would come up with their livestock and their tents. They would come in like locusts in number, and both they and their camels were innumerable, and they came into the land to ruin it. So see, the people of Israel couldn't even establish an economy for themselves, you know, they would sown the land and stuff. And when the produce would start coming up, these will people, you know, they will come and invade them with thousands and thousands of people. They will consume whatever they could from the land and what they could not consume, they would burn. And they would kill all the animals. It says even the donkey, animals that were not edible, but that they would use to work the land, they would kill everything. So, so the Midianites were trying to eradicate the people of Israel from the face of the earth, okay? Uh, and number six, Finally, they go to the very bottom of the cycle. Says So Israel was brought very low because of Midian and the sons of Israel cried out to the Lord. So they come to the point where they can't take it no longer and they fall on their knees and they say, God, please help us out. And this part, you know, uh, I really want you to, to, to listen to what happens here because if you only remember this out of everything I say today, you will remember one of the most important things about our God. We have a loving And merciful God, that when His children repent and call out to Him, He always comes to you and restores you. This is what we're going to see here. See, when this happens, you know He he lets you live with the consequences, which is something important to remember. You need to learn that when you obey, is when you're doing better. Okay, but He will come and rescue you. And what He does in the Book of Judges is He will send extraordinary people to rescue them for the mess that they have gotten themselves into, okay? So today, we're going to study one of those extraordinary people. His name was Gideon. And you probably have heard about uh, Gideon before, but I want you to, today, change your perspective. See, most of the times when we read about these cycles, since we're so disobedient, we tend to relate to the people of Israel, that we get into a mess and then we call out to God. But today, I want you to put yourself in the shoes of Gideon, because God uses normal people like us to do extraordinary things like what he's going to show us with Gideon. I don't know if you know the story. I'm not going to tell you the whole story. I'm hoping you're going to be curious enough to go and dust off your Bible and look for Judges 6 and read for yourself. But I have to tell you more or less the end so, so you understand what's going on, okay? God is going to send Gideon to fight a war against an army of tens of thousands of people with an army of three hundred men okay actually when Gideon calls on the people of Israel the sons of Israel to come to him to go to battle he raises this huge army and God sees the army and says that's too many we need to let some go tell everyone that it's afraid to go back home so he comes and says who's afraid and 22,000 people say me and he says go back home okay but after 22,000 leave God sees the army and says like there's still too many he says okay have them drink water from the river. And some go and drink straight to the water. Some get their hands and drink and says like, okay, the ones that did this, send them home. Gideon must have been ready to faint because most of them drank like that and only 300 stay. And he goes to God and says like, just 300? And God says, yes, just 300 because I want you guys to know exactly who wins the bottles for you. I don't want you to be able to boast. So 300. And with 300 men, he goes to face the Midianites, and they win. Now, when I tell you the story like this, tell me, what type of person do you think Gideon was? Extraordinary, no? You think, oh, this guy must have been friends with Captain America, and, you know, like, come on, 300 against 10,000, we can do it. I want to show you the type of person Gideon was, and you're going to realize that he's a lot more like cost than you think. Okay, so number two says the story of Gideon. See, as soon as Israel repents, God sends his angel. And here's the story of what happens. Verse 11, says, Then the angel of the Lord came and sat under the oak that was in Ophrah, which belonged to Joash the Abysserite, as his son Gideon was beating out wheat in the winepress in order to save it from the Midianites. See, it's not very clear to see this, but what's happening in that verse, what they're telling us is, and Gideon was hiding, okay? He's supposed to be beating out wheat. That job, you know, threshing the wheat, was supposed to be done in a high place where there's a lot of wind, where they would hit on the wheat and then throw it to the air, and the trash will be taken by the wind and the grain falls to the ground. But instead of doing it in the open, in a high place, he's in the valley, in a wine press, a hole underground where they stepped on the grapes. You know, so, so he's not really threshing anything because there's no wind in the hole. Okay, so he's just there playing with the wind, okay? And the angel comes and finds him there hiding and listen to what he says to him, verse 12. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, the Lord is with you, valiant warrior. Can you imagine what Gideon thought? Valiant warrior? What are you talking about? I'm hiding. Everyone knows how this job should be done. I'm not doing it properly because I'm afraid. How can you tell me, valiant warrior? See, the problem with Israel at that time, and it's very much what happens today, is that by that moment in their story, the people didn't know that they could or should be extraordinary. And Gideon, sadly like most of us, he believed in God, but he has become a very ordinary person. He started to believe of himself, what the world around him told him about himself, you know? So God shows up in his life, and you know what he's trying to do by telling him these words? He's trying to shake him. See, what the angel is saying is like, what are you doing there? When did you become so ordinary? How could you forget that there's a destiny for you? How can your people forget that they're my people, and I have a plan for all of you? Wake up, start acting like an extraordinary Gideon. See, and this is very important for us here today because with everything that we've been going through, many of us are exactly there. We have forgotten who we are. We've forgotten whose we are. Many of us have forgotten how good God has been for us in the past. You've got used to the world around you and now you're living like everybody else. And if that is the case, God's talking to you right now. He's telling you, I am with you. You're a valiant warrior. And I know maybe some of you are thinking like me, the valiant warrior. Do you know where I was last night? Do you know how far away I've been from God lately? When's the last time that I opened my Bible or had a serious conversation with him? Gideon surely was thinking that way because he answers to God the way that maybe many of us would. Verse 13 says, then Gideon said to him, oh my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? Have you asked that question? If God is really with me, why are all these bad things happening to us? Why did I lose my job? Why did my business close? Why why is a member of my family sick? Why am I still single? Why can't I have children? The Lord is with me? If you have asked that question, don't feel too bad. Gideon asked 3,300 years ago the same question. But what I want you to notice is God doesn't get offended by his question. As a matter of fact, what I have noticed is that when we engage with God, when we start questioning things, but we take them to God, he uses that opportunity to direct you in the right path. Gideon is not done complaining. He continues and says, and where are all his miracles, which our fathers told us about saying, did the Lord not bring us up from Egypt? You know what he's saying? It's like, I grew up all my life hearing about how great is the Lord and how he parted the sea and all these miracles. And where are those miracles now? Why aren't they happening in my life? I don't see anything so he concludes in verse at the end of verse 13 says but now the lord has abandoned us and handed us over to midian so his conclusion is like i am not a valiant warrior i don't think god is liberating anyone nowadays and to be honest i don't even know if I, I can continue to believe in these things have you been there when so many things are going on around you that you start doubting and thinking really God is with me. And you know, when uh, I preached this uh, message in Cancun, a guy came to me after the service and said to me, well, if God sent an angel and he talked to me as clear as he talked to Gideon, then I would be a valiant warrior. And my question was, really? Are you sure? You know, if you walked out of here today and an angel showed up right next to you and said, hey, valiant warrior, you see the culture around you? See how enslaved these societies to these idols? I want you to go and fight for me. Would you go? Would you at that moment get up and go? But you know what, what God does when we question him like that, when we answer like that? He shakes us even harder. Look at his answer in, in verse 14. And the Lord looked at him and said, go in, the strength of, in this strength of yours and save Israel from the hand of Midian. Have I not sent you? He says, go with the strength that you have, just the way that you are right now and go because I am sending you. And you would think that this is the moment where Gideon was like, yes, let's go. But look how he answers in verse 15. But he said to him, oh Lord, how am I to save Israel? Behold, my family is the least in the Manasseh and I am the youngest in my father's house. What he's saying is my clan is not that strong. You know, my family is the smallest one in my clan, and I'm the weakest one in my whole clan, in my family. You know, translation, I'm broke. I don't even have a girlfriend. I don't have many friends. Not even my phone is smart. I don't have Instagram. I only have Facebook, and my only friends are my parents. Even my imaginary friend doesn't talk to me. So when we go to God and say that, he answers like this. The Lord answered, oh, pardon me, never mind. I must have the wrong house. Is that what it says there? Read your Bible so no one pulls your leg. That's not what it says, okay? <laughs> I must have the wrong house, you know? <laughs> but, but I put that there because what's coming next is very important. See, it is in moments like this that I prayed to God that we would do a miracle you know, that only for a few seconds, he would open our eyes. He would let us see ourselves exactly the way that he sees us. Because this is what's going on here. See, if we could only see ourselves the way that, that, that he sees us, you know, our life would be completely different. See, he comes and says to Gideon, Gideon, valiant warrior. And Gideon says like, no, I'm not. And God says, I'm not asking I'm telling you, you're a valiant warrior. I made you. I created you. You are a valiant warrior. Who are you going to believe? What do you think or what I know about you? You are a valiant warrior. You know, the problem is that as, as it was happening to Gideon, oftentimes we start believing what the people around us think of us. And then there's something very weird. I don't know if only happens to me, but I'll tell you what happens to me. A lot of people criticizes me, sends us emails, you know, nasty things or say things to me through other people. And I tend to believe those negative things. But if people that I love, like my wife, my mother, my kids, come and tell me encouraging things, you know what I think? It's like, what are they going to say? It's my mother. What is she going to say? She got to say nice things. And I don't believe them but I believe the native ones. And, and, and when that happens to us, we begin to behave like ordinary people. You know, we spend so much time with ordinary people that we convince ourselves that we are all ordinary. So, you know, we behave the way everybody else behaves. You know, our actions are limited by our beliefs about ourselves. We dream very, very little. But if for only a few seconds you could see yourself the way God sees you, everything would change. And I know this for a fact, and I'll tell you why. I have had many conversations with people whose life all of a sudden changed for the better. In every way, you know, all of a sudden they realize things and they are succeeding, being prospered. And every time they tell me the story, there's always a moment in the story when they say, and all of a sudden my eyes opened. All of a sudden I could see. I could understand what God was telling me in the Bible. And after that moment, everything changed. If it has happened to you, you know, it is an amazing moment when all of a sudden God appears in your life and calls you by name and says, I want you to go do this. And you go like, seriously? You really have a part for me in your plan? Do I really get to be an extraordinary person? And it's an amazing thing. You know, it changes everything in your life. You know, I... I was reading um, Augustine, and and he says something very interesting. He says, the the reason why heaven is going to be such an amazing place, it's not because you won't be able to sin there. It's because the Bible tells us that in heaven, we're all going to be able to see ourselves and everyone else as they were designed by God, and then you will choose not to sin. When you can see yourself the way God sees you, everything will change. And this is what's happening in this passage. What God is trying to do with Gideon is trying to shake him and help him see himself the way he sees him. And of course, he doesn't say to him, sorry, I got the wrong house. This is what he really says in verse 16. Yet the Lord said to him, I will certainly be with you and you will defeat Midian as one man. See what he's saying? You're going to be able to do whatever I ask you to go do against whoever I send you against because I am with you. The question has never been, am I with you? The question is, are you with me? Do you believe me? Are you going to do what I send you to do no matter in what area? And and listen, this is why this is so important right now in the moment that we're living. Think of the moment we're living in our society. See, you can today live however you want. Live exactly like everybody else, doing whatever is right in your own eyes and people around will applaud you. Have you seen this happening? Whoever goes for what the Bible says is wrong becomes the hero. You can do that right now, no problem. Everybody will tolerate, not only tolerate, but push you to do it. But you know what will happen in your life? You will miss the purpose of God in your life. See, this was the moment of truth for Gideon. He says, I am Would you go. And I want you to notice also something very important. He didn't tell him, if you go, I'm gonna give you super strength. You'll be able to fly. You know, he didn't grant him three wishes. If you go, ask me for three things. Now, he didn't. You know what he was asking him to do? He was asking him to believe. That's it. Believe that I'm with you. Are you going to get up and go against Midian as a man who believes that I'm with him? And this is crucially important for you because this is all he's asking of you. To believe. That before you make any decision, take any action, you have to know God is with me. God is for me. How can I be extraordinary? And you might be thinking, well, yeah, but I'm not Gideon. You know, I'm not a character in the Bible. I know you want to motivate me a little bit. But see, this concept is so important that the Apostle Paul thought that it was important to remind 1,300 years later the Christians in Rome about the same concept. See, at the time of Paul, the enemy were not the Midians. they, they, They had long been gone. You know What they thought was the enemy was the Roman Empire. And people kept seeing things wrong. Many Christians think we have to defeat the enemy, we have to defeat the Romans, but what Jesus was sending them was to change their culture by being a light, by loving them. And if you wanted to change the culture... At the time of Paul, the most dangerous and hard place to do that was at the city of Rome. So Paul writes to this small group of Christians that live in Rome and says these very famous words, Romans eight thirty one, if God is for us, who can be against us? This is exactly what the angel is telling Gideon. Gideon, I know you're broke. I know your business closed. I know your phone is not very smart. I know you see yourself as everything but a warrior. But listen to me. I see you different. When you see yourself as I see you and understand that I am with you, I am for you, I will go and fight for you, then you will change the way that you live. See, the the Christians in Rome could have answered exactly the same way as Gideon answered. Us? Against Rome? Are you, have you heard of Nero? You know what he's doing to Christians? If I only say I'm a Christian, they're gonna throw me to the lions. Paul knew that these Christians in Rome were going to question whether God was with them or not because of what was happening at the time. And maybe you're thinking the same. How do I know he's really with me? So Paul, knowing this, is going to explain it to them. And you know what's our blessing? Our blessing. We're on this side of the crucifixion. See, Gideon was on the other side. So Gideon, his faith was based in a promise that one day would be fulfilled. Paul is telling the Christians in Rome that our faith is based on the promise that has been fulfilled. Listen to what he says to them, Romans eight thirty two, He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, How will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? What he's saying is 2,000 years ago, God sent his son to die for you, to make sure that you would have the Holy Spirit inside of you and know for a fact that he's with you no matter where you go, no matter where he sends you, no matter what the task is at hand. See, what he's trying to do is make you realize how valuable you are to him. You know what's a good way to figure out the value of something? put it up for sale, put it up for auction. And you'll you'll see what people are willing to pay. See, what Paul is saying here is that you are so valuable to God that he's equaling the value of your life with the value of his son's life. So I guess the question is, when are you going to start living based on the value God gives you and see yourself how God sees you? God is telling him, Gideon, stop making out excuses, okay? I see you as a valiant warrior. And if you are hearing these words, he's telling you, you are a valiant warrior and I am with you. So how are you going to respond? See, the story of Gideon is the story of a man who little by little understood the value that his life had before the eyes of God. And that gave him the courage to live his life as a really valiant warrior. But remember, God wanted to make sure that Gideon understood that he didn't have to fight the battles, that the battles are won by God. All Gideon had to do is go. He says, go. And the same thing he's asking of all of us. All we have to do is go. Yeah, um, about five years ago, I went back to practicing taekwondo, you know, the martial art. And, and something interesting happened uh, in... in couple of tests ago. You know, when you're testing for black belt, among a bunch of things, the test lasts like three days. On the last day, there's forms, but then there's combat, you know, sparring. And you have to do first a sparring against one person of your same degree, okay? And then after, you have to do another sparring against two people of your same degree. There was a woman that was probably in her 50s, and she did the first combat, you know, and she did good. You could see that she was not very secure, but she did good. And then when they called her name to stand up to fight against two people, she wouldn't stand up. So they called her name, and, and she was looking for ants, you know, around her seat like that. You know, so the teacher stood up with the list and called her name again. And, and some people started like, you yeah, know, it's her. So he came to her and said, ready, come on. And she was like, no. So stand up. She was like, no, it's like, yes, you can, come on, stand up. She finally stood up and, you know, half trembling, went to the mat and then the teacher said, ready. And the woman goes, and the guy says, stop. That's all I needed, go sit down. You don't have to fight, but you have to go. That's it. That's what God asked from us. You don't have to fight the fight, but you have to go. Read the story. God fights that fight. And he fights every single one of our fights. (sighs) You know, um, when we started planning these churches, Mark, Laura, Karina, and I, one of the things that impacted me the most is that Mark and Laura's plan was never one day we're going to build a building. Their plans were always, one day, we're going to be able to impact our culture, impact the life of the people around us, and in many countries. They always had a a, a view of of countries far away, and it was impact the countries, the the, the culture changing. The only way that we're going to be able to do that is if we start believing God if we start being aware of how God sees each one of us and that everywhere we go, he goes with us. And listen, this is not a message about being a good person. If that's what you're hearing, then I failed. This is a message about challenge you to become an extraordinary person loving your culture by changing it, being a light. This is the life that we were invited to participate in. See, the people of Israel were invited into that life and very few of them accepted. But thanks to those people, you and I are sitting in this room. Most of them rejected it. So my prayer for all of us is that God will open our eyes. That you will be able to see yourself exactly the way that he sees you and believe him when he says, go, go. Because I am with you. I will fight the battle. Just go. If you put yourself in his hands and ask him to open your eyes and believe that he's with you, you will become the extraordinary person that he designed you to be. And if every single one of us did that, we would, you know, that would truly be extraordinary. Let's pray. Father, um, we thank you so much for your word. Uh, I know, Lord, that many of us uh, need to repent because we have become ordinary. We started living like everybody else and just doing the things that now are tolerable. But we thank you for your word, Father, because it shakes us, It, it confronts us, it shows us the mirror and it shows us who we are. Help us, Father. To have the faith to go, to believe you, that you are with us at all times. To know that we don't even have to fight the fight, that you fight our fights. Thank you for fighting those fights and, and just remind us every minute, Father, that your call is for us to be extraordinary. So let us see ourselves exactly the way that you see us. And I ask all of this, Father, in the beautiful name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen.